Where we have been over the course of these last few weeks is we have uh, kind of re-emphasized, refocused on our mission and vision as a church. It was a little series of messages we've entitled Better Together. And that is not just two words just slapped together. It is the truth for God's people. We are better together. And Paul, over and over in his letters, he mentions the church and he compares it to a human body. That all the parts of the body fit together, all the parts of the body function together. That's the way God designed it. The church is the body of Christ. That is Jesus' ideal for the church. But let's get real, shall we? Every local church that I know of is made up of people. People like you, people like me. And even though most of you here today have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus, you come with your hurts, your habits, and your hang-ups. That's the reality. We're not perfect people, therefore we are not a perfect church. Listen, James puts it this way, and I love what he says. James says, we all stumble in many ways. Life is a journey. Following Jesus is a journey. And along that journey, James, the brother of Jesus, acknowledges that we will stumble along the way. The problem with the church being made up of the redeemed and the stumbling disciples, for that's who we are, is that in our actions and in our inactions, in our wise words and in our foolish words, in our thoughtful deeds and in our thoughtless ones, we affect each other. Can't help it. Uh, the other day, um, I had a little uh, issue where I, I pinched my finger. Now, it hurt on my finger because I, I, I kind of got to grab the skin there for a minute and, and it, it, it caused me to react, but it wasn't just my finger that reacted. It was the entirety of my body that reacted. That one pain, that one issue caused my whole body to respond. And that's the way it is with the body of Christ. We're interconnected. And, and this is hard for us as Americans. We have this independent streak. You know, we see ourselves as just these rugged individuals. But when we look at Scripture, when we read through what Jesus says, what Paul says, when we go back in the Old Testament, it's continually talking about the people of God. We are interconnected. We weren't saved to be Lone Ranger free-range kind of Christians, we were saved that we might be connected, that we might be part of the body of Christ. It's not always easy. A wise person once said that uh, the church, with all its various people, is like two porcupines trying to keep warm in a snowstorm. They need each other, but they also needle each other. Hey, listen, if, if you don't think we needle each other, you haven't been in church very long, right? 
because we're not the same. And, and we bring our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, our preferences. And, and sometimes we're not as sensitive to other people. I cannot tell you in my years of ministry how many people whose feelings I have unintentionally hurt. And who may have even left the church because of something I didn't even know it. I remember in my first church, again, I'm, a, I'm green behind, wet behind the ears, you know, green pastor. And I went to the, to the grocery store there, and I was just went pick up groceries. I didn't think anything about it. I got home, and um, I found out later that week that someone who wasn't in our church, but someone who wasn't in our church had, had talked to one of our church members and said, your pastor's not very friendly, is he? He didn't speak to me. Like, I don't know you. You know, I try to be friendly. I really do. But it's, it's really hard. When people get together, listen, most of you are in a family. Got any family members that aggravate you? The church is a family. It's going to happen. This, this is the reality of bringing such diverse people together. In our two-year study of Acts, we saw this a lot, didn't we? We saw how people with different backgrounds, very different backgrounds, would come together, and it created sparks. It created tension. They had to work through that. The problem is we too often say, you know what? I'm out of here. I, I don't want to have to work through anything. I don't want to have to put up with anybody. I don't want to have to deal with somebody who thinks differently. I want to go to a place where everybody thinks like I do, dresses like I do, acts like I do. Man, that is so much more comfortable. When we started Grace Fellowship, we determined we wanted to be a church that tried to bridge gaps, that we wanted to be intergenerational, that we wanted to be interracial, that we wanted to bring people together around the cause of Christ. And the problem with that is, it's the hardest way to do church. It is so much easier to say, you know what, we're going to target the 20 to 40-year-olds, and we're going to do everything that we do, we're going to do it for 20 and 40-year-olds. The music, the, the messages, everything, all our marketing, all that's going to be geared towards 20 to 40-year-olds. Or to say, you know what, we're on the other end of the spectrum. And we're going to target everybody who's in their 50s and above. And we're going to have a bang-up you know, ministry that is just focused on, on, on trying to meet the needs of people who are getting older in life and are maybe getting near retirement or retire, retired. And, and we're going to work that way. Listen, when I was in seminary, they taught us what was called the homogeneous principle. Now you go, what in the world is that? It basically means that if you, the fastest way to build a church is to build it with people who are all just like you. That is not Grace Fellowship. That is not who we are. We are not a social club, and we're not some fancy clique. Early on, I was asked to describe what kind of church Grace Fellowship is. I said, well, uh, we're, made, uh, we're made up of two different kinds of people from two different gated communities. Reynolds and the Green County Jail. And we've got everything in between. 
And I'm thankful to God that we do. And one of the reasons that so many of you are here today is because you wanted a church where you could rub elbows with people who weren't like you. You wanted a church where you could, if you're younger, where you could have senior adults. If you're older, that you could have young adults. I just found out we're having two more babies born this year. It's not Nancy. (laughs) Two more babies to go in the nurse. Isn't that awesome? And some of you get a little older like I am, and you're like, man, this is awesome to be in a church where you got babies being born and children running around. Now, you need to look out because they're fast. But if you're going to be at a church, we need each other. But sometimes we needle each other. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus about the, the struggle of bringing uh, believers from Jewish backgrounds together with, with believers from Gentile backgrounds. And, and he calls the believers to do this, beginning in, in verse 22. He says, put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now hang on here. What he's saying is, listen, as a believer, you are to take off the old life, these old habits, these old ruts that you've been in these sinful patterns you're to take that off that's an intentional act I I know if you you used to watch the Jetsons okay you didn't have to worry about it you just kind of went in the machine it all happened automatically but if I'm gonna if I'm gonna change clothes guess what I have to take off the old clothes to put on the new clothes it'd be foolish to put on a new set of clothes over the old set right you take off the old set that's an intentional act on our part and that's what he's saying here is you need to intentionally walk away from those old habits, those old hang-ups. You need to intentionally walk away from those old ruts because you've been given a, a new mind. You've been renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you need to put on your new self, and he's going to help us to understand what this looks like as he goes on. In verse 25, he says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbors. Look at this. For we are members of one another. We're connected. So speak the truth. Don't lie to each other. Don't deceive each other. He goes on. He says, be angry and do not sin. Wait a minute. Does that mean we get angry? Absolutely. Be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with the problem before the sun goes down. And give no opportunity, it says, to the devil. In other words, listen, if you harbor anger and resentment towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, if that's what you're doing, then you basically made up the guest room for the devil in your life. You've invited him to move in. And we know that, listen, his job description is pretty simple. To steal, kill, and destroy. He is the father of lies. And if you invite him in, let me tell you what. He's going to have you replaying that wrong done to you, that word said to you, that thing that they didn't do. They're going to just, it's going to continue to replay and repeat. And he's going to say, oh, man, you shouldn't be in that church. You shouldn't be around that person. You don't even talk to them. Don't have anything else to do with them. But instead, we're called to reconcile. 
because we're members of one body. He goes on to say in verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with those in need. In other words, it's not just about, hey, go out and earn a living and take care of your family. Yes, you are to do that. But beyond that, you're to meet the needs of people who are lacking. He keeps on going. He says, uh, let, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. In other words, let Jesus be Lord of your language, of your tongue, of the way you speak. Let him have free reign over that. Let your conversation always be seasoned with grace. And he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. By doing, by living in those old sinful patterns, by, by, by not disrobing of that old life and continuing to live in it, you grieve the Spirit of God. You grieve God's heart because that's not how he has remade you. That's not what it means to be reborn, to be born again, to have a new life in Christ. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Those things don't belong in your life. And instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And what the picture that Paul is painting is of a united church, a church that is together. And this kind of unity can only happen when we allow the Holy Spirit to do His work in us, changing our hearts and changing our mind and changing our attitudes. And as we choose to live a new life in Christ. It is easy to go back to the old ruts, to the old you. But that's in the rearview mirror. You've left that behind in order to follow Christ. We do not become a unified, Christ-honoring great commission fulfilling church by accident we're not just going to fall into it showing up most sundays for worship service is probably if that's all you're doing you're probably not going to find yourself coming together with the body of christ you're kind of here but you're not in the middle of it so you're going well, i don't know if i want to jump in the middle of it suppose somebody says something and and I, you know, and I disagree with them. Suppose someone's not exactly like me. That's the point. When we come together and we love each other and we show grace to one another and we forgive one another and we serve beside one another, when we're not the same, then the world takes notice. If we're all the same, we all have the same attitudes, we all vote the same way, we all go to the same places we all do the same it, it, then the world's going to look and go eh, well, what's the big deal that's the way we do it 
But when we come together and we worship the Lord together, and, 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 and you come, listen, I know some of you come and the, every bit of the music, you just love it. And there's some of you that go, man, I'm so, we got a hymn. That's an awesome thing. I didn't get a hymn last week. I, now I've got my fix. I can get through the rest of the week. Or some of you come and go, man, you know, we didn't hear, we didn't sing anything that was on, you know, that I heard on the radio this week. You know, what was, what was up with that hymn thing? What was up with sticking thine in a song? What, where did that come from? I'm going to tell you a secret. Not every song that's sung in a worship service is my favorite either. If I only sang my favorites, you probably would say, I don't like that very much. It'd be a shorter list. But we bear with one another. We tolerate this, and we even celebrate it because it's part of who we are as a unique expression of the body of Christ. Now, we don't fall into it automatically, and, and I got to tell you, there are a lot of things that it's like the current that will pull us away from it. Uh, certainly the enticements of the world, our own personal preferences, and obviously Satan's in the middle of this whole thing. But it's easy for us to, to drift, both in our personal lives as we follow Christ, but it's also easier for us to drift from the body of Christ. I've heard this over and over, and, and it's shown to be true. It takes three weeks, three weeks of just laying out on a Sunday, and you're completely out of the habit. It is a struggle. After three weeks, it is a struggle to get back into that routine of being connected with the body of Christ on a Sunday morning. Just three weeks. You go, well, I've been in church all my life. Lay out three weeks and see how hard, please, you don't have to. Don't, it's, not, it's not like a challenge. But just three weeks. And in those three weeks, things get undone. You know, we keep going back and we go, okay, everything changed because of COVID. For some people, that was it. They found other things that they said, this fills my life. And I don't need church anymore. I don't need the body of Christ anymore. I can catch Jesus on a podcast sometime during the week. And that's really all I need. But that is not church and, and God knows that being united in a, a body is not easy for us the same Paul who wrote those words in the Ephesians 4 that we read wrote this at the beginning of Ephesians 4 the words just before it he says I therefore as a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another that means putting up with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is he says one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all through all and in all unity unity of heart unity 
of mission, unity of faith, unity of purpose in our calling in Christ. In the Garden of Gethsemane, in the shadow of Calvary's cross, John records for us Jesus' prayer. And he prays for himself. And he prays for those immediate followers, those early disciples. But he also prays for us. Did you know that? In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed for you. He prayed for his church. And he said, Father, make them one. How one? (laughs) He says, just like you and I are one. Now that's unity. That's unity. Just as you and I are one, make them one. How important was it to Jesus? Pretty important. The question is, how important is it to us? Are we passionate about being the body of Christ together? You see, it's pretty easy to quote Jesus when he says, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. When they see your love, they'll know you're my disciples. It's easy to quote, but it's a little harder to do, isn't it? In what ways do, does our life, does our connection with the church express the love that we have for one another? And so today we come to this table with the bread and, and with the cup. And we come to celebrate the unity that we have with God the Father through Jesus Christ. But we also come to celebrate the unity that we have with one another another we lose a little bit of the significance i think in order to be a little more sanitary i mean obviously if i ask everybody to come up here and drink out of this cup some of you will be slightly hesitant i understand that But on that last supper, when Jesus gathered with his disciples, he passed a single cup from which they all drank. It is that imagery that we want to capture here today. It expresses our unity, our belonging together, that we are for one another. It is that kind of church A church that is united in heart, united in faith, united in mission. It is that kind of church that is able to fulfill the great commission and live out the great commandment. And I want to let you know today that I believe with all my heart, unity in the body of Christ is worth the effort it takes. It's worth not having all your preferences made. I suggested early on, you know, we don't, we don't argue about music the way, you know, years ago there was a big brouhaha about different kinds of music in the church. We don't, we don't argue as much about it and, you know, and, and you know, do all that as much. I suggested at one time, I said, listen, we can solve this pretty easily. We just buy a bunch of iPods and we have them in different stacks, okay? If you like Southern gospel music, here's your stack of iPods you like contemporary Christian music, here's your stack. If you like traditional music, here's your stack of iPods. 
you just come in and for the first 15 minutes, you've got your playlist of stuff just like you want it. That wasn't a good idea. The whole point of being united is that we yield our preferences. We prefer others above ourselves. That's not the American way. The American way is have it your way. But the Jesus way is, I'm willing to yield my way. Not theologically, listen. One, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. All, you know, we, we want to be solid. We want to be in agreement about that, which is essential. But if it's not essential, we, we need to be willing to tolerate things that, that aren't just like we want them. When Jesus gathered with his disciples at that last supper, there were men there from various backgrounds, <laughs> men who argued with one another, men who jostled for better position, getting closer to Jesus, men who would have never, ever, ever have connected except for the one thing they shared in common. They answered Jesus' call when he said, Come follow me. And they came to see that following Jesus meant following with others. And that's still true today. And so as we gather and prepare our hearts to eat this bread and drink this cup, let it be a renewal of our commitment to Christ and to one another. We are better with him, and we are better together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, prepare our hearts, clear our minds, remove the clutter. Lord, enable us now to come and to remember the body of Jesus hung on Calvary's cross. We remember, Lord, the blood of Jesus shed for us. And we remember that Jesus Christ gave himself for his church. And so, Lord, now, we ask that you would help us to understand and to receive all that you have for us that this would be a celebration of our unity with you and our unity with one another in the body of Christ. For we pray it in his name.